All right. Good morning, church. All right. As the offering is still uh, getting to the back, I'm just going to go ahead and intro us with just one little thing. Um, I'll be honest. I do not think about the missionaries that our church supports every single week. And I, and I love the fact that we can actually connect in our giving with that reality. But we support, you know, as, as I said, 34, and I think we're on track for 36 or 37 um, by January. And so it's something that we're, we really, really believe in. And yet, it's something that we oftentimes just don't talk that much about. And so when we have an opportunity, like one time a year, where we have our missionaries come back in a focused measure and they're out there, it's super important to get on over there and actually talk with them. Because what we normally do is it's, okay, it's, uh, I got places to go. And so we get done with church and we're out into the, the parking lot. We're out and we're going to Arby's. And so the thing is that we need to do is we need to make sure, we need to make sure that on a special week like this, we actually take the time to go out there. And that's going to bring up every insecurity you had as a junior high. And you're like, I just don't know how to talk. I mean, I, I don't want to ask them to dance. You know, it's like that weirdness. And so here, I want to, I want to just walk us through something that's going to make it a little bit easier on all of us. When you walk out there and you see those tables, go straight on up to one of those tables. And I want, just repeat after me, okay? Okay? All right, here we go. Hello. Hello. My name is? What's your name? Oh, no, no, no. What? <laughs> Repeat after me. What's your name? Perfect. You guys got it. Now, if you do that, you're actually going to find out things you didn't know before. If you got small kids, you're like, yeah, but my kid is just my kid. And, and you want to get out of here. I understand that. But get, bring your kids over because your kids can actually find out where they're serving, whether it's local or it's like across an ocean. I remember as a little kid, my dad bringing me over and introducing me to missionaries. And I was just like, ah, oh, like I don't, I, don't, I, feel, I don't know this person. I don't know where Bolivia is. I don't care where Bolivia is. But I, I remember that that actually made an impact in my life later on. And so you can actually make a massive impact today before Arby's simply by going over and engaging people that are doing work that we get a chance to support as a church. So can you do that? Sure. sure. That's the confidence I love. All right. <laughs> now we're in a series called Burden of 79 where we're going through the, the actually the, the reality that in 39 years ago, back in 79, two guys Dick Severs and Vernon Johnson were led by the Holy Spirit to do something in this town, to actually have a church where, where it would be preaching the, the Bible and, and communicating the gospel to, to the people that, that just didn't know. And that was like, they didn't know anything about planting churches. They didn't know anything about being a pastor or anything else. They were just like, okay, I'm a farmer. Okay, I, I build houses. Boom, we're ready to go. And they, they were led by the Holy Spirit to do just that here. And, and that courage and that burden for the lost in 79 is something that we want to take steps in in 2018. Now, the, the, what we've been going through as a church is going through our articles of faith because those guys realize that if we're going to be about something, we need to realize that we don't make our beliefs, our beliefs make us. So what do we believe? And so they start out with the first draft of our articles of faith. What does the Bible say about this? What does the Bible say about that? That's what we want to be about. And so um, if you haven't picked up your copy of it, it's over by the guest hub. You can snag one of these. But we're basically teaching through the articles of faith. But before we get to that, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. This week, week five, we're talking about, well, so who is the Holy Spirit really? Because honestly, a lot of us are kind of ambiguous. Francis Chan, he wrote um, this book where he talked in this book about the Holy Spirit and said, the Holy Spirit is the forgotten God. He's the forgotten God. Within our faith, we believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And we know a whole, a whole lot about the Heavenly Father. We know a whole lot about Jesus. And the Holy Spirit's like, 
He's like, he's like the, the, the relative you just don't talk about, and we don't know why. And so the thing is, we need to understand what the scriptures say about him. And, and the only way that I know how to do that is with crowd participation. So here's what I want to do. We're going to break us up into four groups. The yellow part, that's on me. That, I've already memorized it, so it's in my head. But I need us all in this room to be super um, literate and read the white parts by section, okay? So this section, you guys are going to have the first section of white lines, text up there, second, third, and fourth. We all on the same page? So when I point at you, I need you to say the part that's in white. I'm going to say the yellow part. It's going to be a cool prompting. And then you can just do the part after that, right? Ready? All right, so the Holy Spirit is all about... Wasn't that, like, dignified? It's very dignified. Don't be dignified. Some more volume, all right? The Holy Spirit is all about... Bringing faith to Jesus. Awesome. By... Bringing us to Jesus. To... Make us just like Jesus. So... Our Jesus. Okay, that was practice. All right, good job. All right, so now we got it all. We got it. It's, like, tattooed on our mind, right? Okay, so this is important for us to really understand this in a succinct way. What is the role of the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit... Anyway, what is he all about? The Holy Spirit is all about by to so we can go home now. We, we, that's uh, that's it. No, we gotta get in the Bible. Let's do that. So, if you got your notes, go ahead and open on up to the page, uh, the page right there for page twenty-two for week five. Who is the Holy Spirit anyway? And let's actually go through and find out who the Holy Spirit is. We see this. We believe that the Holy Spirit glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ in all that he does. Now, really quick, before we go any further, you might be distracted by something. A lot of Christians, when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, we make a fatal error that Jesus doesn't make, but we make this fatal error. Um, I figured out this fatal error when I came, actually, I came back from Tegucigalpa, Honduras. Um, I was on a missions trip, came back, and I was reporting, I was with a group of high schoolers reporting to our church what God had done in that trip. And I was super stoked about it. This is back in um, Torrance, California. My dad's the pastor. I'm super nervous about talking in front of a group of grown-ups, but I get up there and it's like, man, God did such amazing things. The Holy Spirit was at work. It led us to talk to people that we didn't know. It led us to have courage we didn't have before. And it was phenomenal what the Holy Spirit did in our group. And I, I got off the, the, the platform. I'm like, man, I'm so, my dad's going to be so proud of me. My dad wasn't proud of me at all. Why? What fatal error did I make? It. And some of you are like, yes, and... It's really messed up to call a person an it. Right? It's really messed up to call a person an it, especially if that person is God. Okay? And just to give you a, you know, just a, how I would process this, we don't do that with real people. Like if, you know, if you if I introduce you to someone like, and you're just getting to know this couple and you're like, oh, great, you guys are married? Awesome. How long have you been married? Well, I've been married to it for a year. I love it. I do whatever it took for it. It means a lot to me. You go, okay, backing away. <laughs> we don't do that with people. That's offensive. It's even more offensive if that person is God. And so because scripture seems to want, because it's really important that we know that within God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is in fact a person. The Holy Spirit is in fact someone that we refer to with actual pronouns and, we, that, and that Jesus actually does so, it's important for us as well. But this first part is important for us to get as well. We believe that the Holy Spirit glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ in what? 
all that he does. And so what's the first thing that we can learn about the Holy Spirit? The first thing that we can learn about the Holy Spirit is that he shows us what healthy submission looks like. We have three parts of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Three in one. And they're co-equal. That means that the God, God the Father isn't like more important than God the Son. It's not like this, this ladder that they're, they're climbing on up. It's not God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit as far as importance. They're co-equal. And yet, in the midst of their co-equality, you have this, the Spirit choosing to serve and submit. Now, submission is, a, that's the S word. We don't like submission. Like if, it, if someone comes up to you and says, I think you should submit, you're like, I think you should shut up. <laughs> I'm American, buddy. Step off. I don't submit to no one. We don't like submitting in our relationships. We don't, certainly don't like submitting in our, our marital relationships. We don't like submitting to bosses. Why? Because these are imperfect people. And you know what? I learned a long time ago, I need to be independent, not submitting. If I submit, that tells you, you're more important than me and I'm inferior to you. And that's what we get brainwashed with. And that totally works out in the world. The only place it doesn't work is scripture because this book is consistently pointing out that the happiest people are going to die not saying, I submitted to nobody. The happiest people, the most joy-filled people, the most like Jesus people out there are the people who choose to say, I am equal with you and I am choosing to submit in this relationship, in this marriage, in this work environment. You're not better than me, but I'm gonna serve you. I'm gonna submit to you. I'm gonna go your way on this one, even though it's not the top 10 on my list. Why? Because I'm a Christian. And the cool thing is, is that if we're looking for an example of that, the Holy Spirit showcases that in living color. Jesus said this, and, and uh, the apostle John recorded it. I have much more to say. This is before, this is, yeah, this is before he, he uh, resurrected from the, from the grave. I have much more to say to you, more than you can know, now bear. But when he, the, whole, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. The Holy Spirit is all about serving and submitting and glorifying Jesus. He's all about bringing fame, bringing fame to Jesus. Let's continue reading. He was sent at Pentecost to initiate and complete the building of the body of Christ. All right, so Pentecost, what's that? About, um, about 50 days after the, the Last Supper, which was just before the crucifixion, you have the Last Supper, crucifixion. Three days later, Jesus rises from the grave. Fast forward those, that set of weeks to this religious celebration called Pentecost, which was like a, a memory marker of when the Jews, um, after, you know, 50 days after the Passover back in Egypt, got the Ten Commandments. So it's a big deal. And at that, at that, that was the moment when all of a sudden they received the Holy Spirit. This person, this part of the Trinity that's always been, it's not like he just came into existence at Pentecost, but all of a sudden, they got what Jesus was saying. Jesus said to them, Jesus said to them, you know what, I'm with you right now physically, but it's gonna be better when I leave. Say what? It's gonna be better for you when I'm not in the picture, when I'm not physically in front of you. What you talking about? No way. This is the best. And you're telling me you've died on the cross, you've risen from the grave, and now you're saying that you're going to leave? 
And you've given us this bombastic nuclear mission to go tell people that are going to hate on this message. We're going to hate the fact that we're telling them that they need Jesus. They're going to hate the fact that there's this reality of heaven and hell and that Christ is the only answer. They're going to hate that. And you're not going to be sidekicking us with this. You're not going to be leading this march. No, but it's going to be better for you. Why? And I imagine Jesus could have done something like this. Peter, check this out. Watch. Stay right there. And he could walk away. What did I just do, Peter? You walked away. Exactly. When you receive the Holy Spirit, that can never happen. Because everywhere you walk, the Holy Spirit will be with you. This whole thing that we celebrate, God with us, that I have, that God became man and God with us, Emmanuel, you're going to be walking with Emmanuel, God with you every step of the way. And the, the cool thing is, is that his purpose is to initiate and complete the building of the body of Christ. If your life is a building, then what the Holy Spirit does is he's the laborer. He works as the laborer in our life's building. How many of you in here, you're laborers you're in the trades? In the trades, you're like part of the union or you're a laborer in some way, shape, or form. Okay. When I think about the, the role of the Holy Spirit, this is how I, I see it. If, if your life is this building, this project that God is doing, this is how I would look at it. God the Father is the architect. It's him who draws up the plans. He's got the, it's God's will. And when we see Jesus submitting to that will in the Garden of Gethsemane, it's this plan, this architectural plan that the Father has authored. Jesus is the one who's paying for the project. How did Jesus pay for the project? With his life. He didn't front cash. He didn't resource it by just saying, okay, I'm, I'm gonna just make sure I, I'm gonna send the right people. He sent himself. Jesus was sent and he, gave, he paid for the project of, the, of God's dream for us. The dream house of our life that God wanted to accomplish. God the Father authored the, the blueprints for and Jesus paid for the project. But you know who the laborer is? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who picks up the hammer and nails and is working on your life so that you become more and more like Jesus. And when you're like, I don't feel like I've got the power to follow Jesus. I mean, I I say to prayer and stuff, but I don't know if I've got the power. You're right, you don't. But the Holy Spirit does. He's gonna accomplish what you can't. And Jesus said that after he rose from the grave. He said, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus is like, you're going to take this, this message. I, and again, I know this is a nuclear message. I know this is like bombastic and offensive, but it's, it's the only hope for the world. And you're going to start here in your hometown with your homeboys. People that get you. People that understand you, you're going to tell them. Is it going to be offensive? Are you going to stop being invited to some parties? Probably. But this is going to be easier than the next thing I want you to do. You're starting in Jerusalem, but then I want you to go to Judea and Samaria. That's not across the street. That's across town. That's, that's to an area of town where people don't look like you, don't think like you, don't worship like you. And that's going to be difficult because guess what? They don't know any of the inside jokes you know or any of the inside cultural realities that you do. And on top of that, a lot of your inside jokes you grew up with were about those people. But I'm saying that this message is for them. And so you're going to take this message across town to Judea and Samaria, but it doesn't stop there because it's going to go from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria to across oceans. And this message is for every single person. Jesus, I can't do that. You're right. But you can with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is building in you what I want to accomplish. Let's continue on. It says this. His divine activity includes, this is kind of what is he building? What is he building? It includes convicting the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment, glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ, 
and by his continual filling, transforming believers into Christ's likeness. Just really quick, on lots of Christians, and you may have been in one of these arguments, they've uh, had a difficult time with that word, uh, the filling of the Holy Spirit. And different churches believe different things, and you may have come from a church that has a, a distinct perspective on that. For me, honestly, the, the biblical way that, to explain what is filling of the Holy Spirit, it's simply this. I am surrendering control. My own control. I'm willfully surrendering control to the Holy Spirit. I'm not like possessed or something. I'm willfully surrendering control to his work and there's a noticeable difference in my life as a result. Have you ever given a junior higher a Mountain Dew? <laughs> no, you would never do that. Why? Because a junior higher pre-Mountain Dew, enough. But after, and those junior hires in here, you know what I'm talking about. It's, as a junior hire, I was pounding those things. When you get Mountain Dew in your system and you're 13 years old, all of a sudden something happens. It's like there is a noticeable difference. You, are, you have got something else going on inside of you that was not there before. If I went over to Echo with Pastor Josh and I, and I said, hey kids, come here. Josh, hold on. You could finish your message in just a sec. Come here, kids. Guess what I got? Pixie sticks. Everyone open up. And I did that. Would there be a noticeable difference on the ride home for you, parents? Yes. Why? Because something was introduced into the system that wasn't there before. Filling of the Holy Spirit is a noticeable difference because someone has made the decision to let God have control of their life. The Holy Spirit takes over and they're like, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to make the decision that's just shooting from the hip for me. I'm gonna, not going to go with the default. I'm actually doing something that is Holy Spirit driven, not Errol driven. And that's what filling of the Holy Spirit means. Dwight uh, Lyman Moody, um, the guy who, who founded Moody Bible Institute back in 1886, like theologically conservative guy, but he always used language that, that some groups that were not so conservative would use, which is the filling of the Holy Spirit. And he would talk about it all the time. We need to be filled by the Holy Spirit. You guys need to be filled. If we're gonna reach this world, we need to be filled by the Holy Spirit. And people were just like, why are you always saying filled by the Holy Spirit? And this one lady comes up to him after a rally and it's like, Moody, why is it you always talk about being filled by the Holy Spirit? Why? Why? Why are you talking about being filled by the Holy Spirit? And he's like, because, madam, I leak. And that's the truth. You and I can be all about what the Holy Spirit, I want, I want God to control my life in here. I am so connected with what Jesus wants in here. And then we go out. It's like when you were in high school and you're like, oh, I get what the math teacher is telling me. And then you go home and you try to do your own homework. You're like, I've got no clue what the math teacher is telling me. When we leave this room and we leave the parking lot and we go home, we are all on board with letting Jesus be the guide of our life. We're all on board by letting the Holy Spirit control our life until we have a fight with our spouse or our parents or our kids. Until that person, that jerky dude at work decided to do something that reflected poorly on me, right? We lose that. And so the filling of the Holy Spirit is a decision to let, release control over to him. And, and the thing is, is that he, he's doing this, but he's, he's constantly training us. He's, his activity in our life is to be the ongoing person helping us do that. And this is just a picture that he's not just, he's not just um, someone who's like a laborer in our, in our corner. He's actually serving as our personal trainer, and we need personal trainers. We need a personal trainer because we, are, we, left to our own devices and our own will, we'll talk ourselves out of every good decision we could possibly make. Left to our own devices, we will shoot ourselves in the foot nine times out of 10, simply because we think it's the right thing to do. I don't know if you're a part of a gym, but if you've ever been a part of a gym, 
Maybe the reason you're not a part of a gym now is because you know what happens when we go to a gym without a trainer. If you go there and it's just you, like I, I, go, to, I go to a gym right now that like the only reason I'm going there is because someone's telling me what to do. If, he, if Kenji wasn't there telling me what to do, I would go to some other gym and I'd like wander, I'd go over and like, oh, free weights. One, two, okay, that's enough. And then I'd walk around, I'd wander around for the rest of 45 minutes looking for the vending machine. And I'd get like, you know, Powerade because I'm an athlete. But that, that, that'd be it. That would be the, and I'd go home going, man, I feel so good about myself. I feel so strong and athletic. No, you have deluded yourself. You've wandered around something and because you were left to your own devices. A personal trainer will tell you things you don't want to hear. A personal trainer will con convince you that what you've been doing is not right and you, your feelings are going to get hurt by that. But your personal trainer is also the person in your corner saying, you could do this. Come on. The Holy Spirit's job, his role, is to let us know where we're off. And does that hurt your feelings? You betcha it does. Does that make you go, I don't want to listen anymore? Absolutely. But you listen and you release control. And he's the one when you're saying, I've done too much. I've gone too far. He's the one who's saying, you can do this. I am with you and I've not left you. Do not get discouraged. Do not give up. Do not lose hope. He is the counselor and the best friend you have ever had because no matter what you've done and no matter where you go, he's with you. He is with you. Do you realize that right now? If you're in Christ, you are not alone. You are not alone. But you might have been deafening yourself to him, silencing yourself to his words instead of listening more intently. He's not only a personal trainer, but listen to this. He baptizes all believers into the body of Christ, the moment of salvation. In, and indwelling, sanctification, we're gonna talk about that in two weeks, instructing and empowering them for service through the giving of what? Okay, that, that's, that's huge because when you became a Christian, something took place. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit supplied you all that you need to serve God and serve others. If you've ever felt inadequate, which is all of us, or insecure, which is all of us, or like, I don't have enough to bring to the table, which is all of us, we felt that about church too. Like, who am I? Like, who am I to like do anything in church? Like, seriously, I've got a seriously bad track record. I'm not as gifted as this person or that person. All that is just wrong because what we see in scripture is something else. We see that the Holy Spirit does something and it ignites something in you that starts the ability for you to serve God and to serve God with all that you got. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it's the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for what? That's right, Errol's good. No. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for what? The common good. So what the Holy Spirit's giving you is not for you to go, ah, oh, I just feel so much better about myself. No. The Holy Spirit's actually giving you something to use to serve God and serve others for the common good. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as we elect. Nope. Nope just as he determines. Which means that if you hate on the gift set that God's given you, like you're all logistics, but you're not a people person. You're all numbers, and you just feel like you're inferior because you're not a super big extrovert or something. You need to take that up with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit has wired you in such a way for God's work, in such a way that only you can do. 
If you're an extrovert and you think that it's all about you and people giving you, you know, pats on the back, you need to take that up with the Holy Spirit because that's not what he wired you for. He wired you to use what you've got, whether you're an extrovert or an introvert, whether you're gifted at, at, at numbers or you're gifted at communication or you're an encourager or you're an, a, a front scene person or you're a behind the scene person. That is your wiring for a purpose. And the thing is about the church is that you are needed for that. And so many people think that the, the role of church is to come in and coast or consume, take in the Bible message, take in the, the songs and go home feeling better about the fact that I did something for God. You didn't because God has so much more for you. What God wants for you to do is to come into this setting and realize I am so different from all these other people and how awesome that is because I'm bringing something to the table they can't. Because God has equipped every single one of us as he has determined. And the Holy Spirit has given me something that I need to bring to the table. Because if I don't, I'm not just cheating myself. I'm cheating them out of what God has put inside of me. Amen? All right, now here's the deal. We're going to talk a little bit about this more like when we get to the church setting, section. But I know people that are, have been at this church that have been here for like 10 years. They're like, man, I love this church, but I just don't feel connected. Or, or I, lo I love what God's doing in this church, but I just don't feel like God's doing much in me. And the reality is, is a big part of that is that they've chosen to step out or step away from being connected to service. Okay, Beauty and the Beast said it best. Life is so unnerving for a servant who's not serving. He's not whole without a soul to wait upon. God built you for a purpose to serve. And, if, and, and this is the thing. I've known people who've been at this church for 10 weeks who are more connected than people who've been here for 10 years. And the major game-changing difference is that they're using what God's gifted them for, for God's glory and the common good. Are you? If not, step in the game. We'll give you opportunities. We'll throw opportunities at you. But you've got to make the choice to actually surrender that over and realize God's given you everything you need to serve him and serve others for the common good. It says that he does all that and, and he closes off by saying and sealing them unto the day of redemption. And this is one of the best sets of news of what the Holy Spirit does. He secures you until Jesus returns. And this is so imperative because so many of us have this, this terrible feeling like I know that I'm saved, but what if I do something that causes me to be unsaved? And that's a common perspective. It's just not one you're gonna find in the Bible. Okay? There is no unsaving you. And we know that because of what the Holy Spirit does in us. Paul let us know this in Ephesians 1. And you are also included in Christ. When you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, of your rescue, when you believed, you were marked in him with a what? Seal. Did you make up that seal? Did you like sign your own name on this contract and that's what's binding? Nope. The promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. This is what that means. Uh, a lot of times, uh, the way, only way that I could think of this is this. Uh, we're, uh, in our salvation, we're, the reason that we're saved is we're like falling to our death. We're, we're dead in our salvation, but we're, we're falling and Jesus grabs us as we're falling off this cliff. He grabs us by, he grabs us by the wrist and we grab him back. And, and in that moment, and, and if you ever became a Christian, like back when you were a kid or if this was just two weeks ago, if you haven't been a Christian, this is what it's like. All of a sudden you realize just this amazing joy because you realize you're rescued that all of your sins were forgiven because of what Christ accomplished on the cross and you're holding on to him and you're gripping onto his wrist and that proximity and you're feeling something you never felt before. It's amazing. But just like any other relationship, over time, things like this happen where you start to just slowly release the tightness of that grip. And you go through a season where you feel distant from God. You know what I'm talking about? And maybe your decisions are distant from God and sometimes people are like, 
I don't know if I'm even in God anymore. I don't know if I'm even saved. I feel so distant. But the reality is, is that your salvation was built and based on the, it was never ever built and based on the fact that you were doing this, that you had Jesus. Your salvation is built and based on the fact that Jesus has you. He's got you by the wrist. And so when you're holding on to him, oh man, life is good. Even when it's bad, it's good because you have proximity to him. When you've disconnected and you're going solo, it's a miserable life for a Christian. It really is, but Jesus still has you and the Holy Spirit is bringing your hand back to realize what it was intended to be like all along. You're sealed until Jesus returns. That's so good because we're so flaky, aren't we? We're so flaky in our relationships. And the cool thing is that that doesn't prompt us to be more apathetic in our, in our relationship with God. It prompts us to actually want to serve him more because we realize, even after what I did, you still love me. Even after what I did, you still got me. You didn't kick me to the curb. And that's, that blows my mind because I would have kicked me to the curb. Every human relationship is, I'll be with you as long as it's convenient and as long as you don't disappoint me royally. But if you epic fail, epic fail, epic fail, you're out. And the cool thing we see that the Holy Spirit reminds us is that God's just not that way with us. Amen? Oh man, amen. So what do I do with that? What do I do with that? If that's who the Holy Spirit is, how do I bring that in to this week? How do I take the burden that these two guys had when they planted this church, the burden they wanted this community to know about the Holy Spirit, how do I actually do something with that? All right, here's what I want you to do. Everyone, if you could hold up a hand and then one finger, this finger, please. All right. That could have really gone sideways. Okay, some, some of you are like, I'm not doing it. I don't raise my hand in church. All right, good, we got them. Okay, here's the thing. I wanna challenge you for one minute this week. I want you to trust the Holy Spirit's leadership for just one minute this week. Okay, put your hands down. If that's too much, just do this. 60 seconds. I'm just challenging you for 60 <laughs> seconds this week. And if you don't think that's trusting the Holy Spirit to, to actually change the game and a decision that you're making isn't a big deal or that's not enough time, it is. Because every single person in this room, we have made decisions in one minute, in 60 seconds, that we regret today. We've said something within the range of 60 seconds that we can't unsay, we can't unring that bell. We're still walking with the ramifications and scars of a 60 second decision a long time ago. Yeah, sure, there were things that led up to it, but it was within that 60 seconds that we pulled the trigger and made a decision that we to this day regret. So don't tell me 60 seconds can't be a game changer. It always is. And so what I'm challenging you to do is this week, let's say you've got an anger issue. You get angry at your spouse, you get angry at your kids, you get angry at your parents, you get angry at your teacher, you get angry at your coworker. People know you. They've told me about you, okay? They know you. And they know that you have a short fuse. And so when someone's doing something that just, just pulls that trigger, man, for you, and you're like ready to like explode, and you're feeling your palms getting sweaty, I want you in that moment to say, okay, for 60 seconds, I can't, I can't deal with this for one more day. You can't, but you can deal with it for 60 seconds. Say, Jesus, give me the patience to deal with this person for 60 seconds. Holy Spirit, control me in the next minute. Just the next minute. Give me enough to get through this minute. And guess what? He will. He will. Even though it's 60 seconds, you'll be surprised at what it, that just getting to the other side of 60 seconds, what that would do for you. 
Some of you um, struggle with lust, whether it's, it's, or just even relational boundaries within a dating relationship, a sexual relationship, uh, or, or, or pornography. And, and oftentimes, we, we, the feeling is that there's just no way that I could resist this temptation. And you can't without the Holy Spirit. But with the Holy Spirit, you can at 60-second increments where you can say, okay, I realize I put myself in a bad situation. Holy Spirit, give me the courage in the next 60 seconds to walk out of this room. Give me the ability to get out of this car. Give me the ability to walk away from this computer. Just, I just don't, I don't need a full day's worth. I just need 60 seconds of strength. And guess what? He'll do it. If you trust him for it, if you're in Christ, he will do it each and every time. And you'll be blown away at the security and the strength that you have in his power that's different from your own. You, you struggle with, with discouragement and you feel like I can't deal with this reality for one more day. You can't but you can actually have God's help for 60 seconds that can get you through some of the darkest points of that. You don't feel like you can share your faith. You're right. There's every, you should have every insecurity in the world about that. But you can, sitting next to someone, you could say, okay, God, just give me the words for 60 seconds. And if they don't shut down the conversation all the way and I actually get through 60, I don't have like five minutes of th- something to say, but I've got 60 seconds. If I can get through 60 seconds and they haven't shut it down, Dear God, please give me 60 seconds more. (laughs) And he will each and every time. This is how we find God's will for our life, how we live it out. Francis Chan, the guy who talked about the Holy Spirit being the forgotten God, said this. It's easy to use the phrase God's will for my life as an excuse for inaction or even disobedience. My hope is that instead of searching for God's will in my life, each of us will learn to seek hard after the spirits leading in my life when? Today, may we learn to pray for an open and willing heart to surrender to the spirits leading with that friend, child, spouse, circumstance, or decision in our lives right now. You do that moment by moment, minute by minute, and God will step up. The Holy Spirit is, in fact, all about doing this. He's all about bringing fame to Jesus by bringing us to Jesus to make us just like Jesus because folks, our world needs to see Jesus and they will in your obedience. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. We're gonna close the service by simply speaking out and communicate out in song the reality of what Christ has accomplished in our heart. That, that when, we, when we trust the Holy Spirit, we're trusting someone who's given us everything that we need to serve him. When we sing, we're actually putting doctrine, we're melding the, the reality we know academically in our mind with the emotion of our heart. So as we walk out, this reality will be something that we live out and flesh out all the more. As we sing, let us understand and realize the faithfulness of God. Let's do that now.